Happy Sorrows. Please be seated. If you would turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. As we have said on several occasions, the book of Revelation, the primary audience would be the first and second century Christians. John is writing his book for their primary benefit. But we today are the secondary audience. And we can reap a lot of good principles from the book. And certainly the book has a lot of great lessons for us. But tonight, tonight might be the most primary lesson so far. Because of our culture, because of our society here in this country, we struggle with money. Well, better put, we struggle with the love of money and what money can buy. So tonight's lesson is from the book of Revelation, and it deals with the love of money. As already been read, 1 Timothy chapter 6, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, what does it do? Well, it can absolutely destroy our spiritual lives. Think about someone like Judas and how the love of money destroyed his spiritual life. It can destroy our relationships, our relationship with each other, and our, certainly our relationship with God. And it can destroy even our sense of well-being. So in our American materialistic society, how can we avoid falling prey to this devastating kind of love? How can we keep from being hooked by money's lure? Well, I think it helps to get God's perspective on money and see where those who love money end up. Revelation chapter 18 Verse 1 and 2, after these things, after all of the revelations that have been given to John so far, what does he see? I saw another angel, another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was eliminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon. Remember here, in Revelation, Babylon, that's Rome. So every time you see Babylon, just cross out and put Rome there. Babylon the Great is fallen. Is fallen. And has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. What did Rome represent to the world? Money. Power. Prestige. Authority. The best life was the life of a Roman. 
at least in their minds it was. And here the angel says, Babylon, Rome, is fallen. It's no more. Babylon is fallen. Throughout her history, Rome had always pursued wealth and, and power in opposition to God and, and God's people. Look at verse 3. For all the nations, all the nations looked up to Rome. All the nations wanted to be Rome. All the nations wanted to be connected to Rome. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Her lifestyle had impacted the world. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants. It's not just the leaders. It's not just the politicians. It's just not the people in power that have been influenced by Rome. It's the merchants, the people who trade. The merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. Rome, Rome could not feed itself by Rome only. Rome had to bring food in. You see, Rome didn't have any natural resources. Rome did not, was not sitting on a pot of gold buried in its ground. Everything that Rome had to have to sustain the city came from outside. And it was brought into the city of Rome. Rome depended on commerce, on trade. And they are influencing the world. Verse 4. In fact, let's, let's read verse 4 and 5 later. Let's begin in 6. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works, and the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her in the measure that she glorified herself and lived. How? With luxury. In the same measure, give her what? It's time to have some payback. God is saying it's time to have some payback. Give to her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day in mourning and famine and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Despite her boast, Rome fell. If you had asked any of the emperors leading up to the final fall of Rome, if you'd asked them, will Rome ever fall? <laughs> they would laugh at you. Rome can't fall. Rome is so powerful, but God judged her, and she was suddenly and unexpectedly destroyed. One day she's boasting about her wealth, and the very next day she's burning. That's what happens to those who make money and power their God, like Babylon, like Rome did. 
quickly and unexpectedly at a time when they least expect it, their entire empire will come crashing down. Skip down to verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and, and threw it in the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists and musicians and flutists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. You know, they had their great parties. They had their games, their races. There were activities, but they came to a stop. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all of all who were slain on the earth. Some big changes happened in the 5th century. Some big changes happened to Rome. This wealthy, wicked city became a seemingly ghost town. What do you mean, Michael? Well, we don't know for sure the population. For me to stand here and say to you that we know for sure, well, I'd be pulling your leg. Here are what the most conservative scholars believe. At the height of her power, Rome was a city of a, probably about a million. About a million people lived in Rome. I mean, Rome was an important city. Rome was the city of that day and time. Let's move it, let's move Rome to the beginning of the 6th century. Just a, a few decades after Rome fell. How many people are there? Once again, we don't know for sure. Here's our best guess. 30,000. We go from a million to 30,000 let me, let me make a comparison here. Let's, let's make it so it's a little easier for us to figure this, okay? Take the city of Hot Springs. Take the city of Hot Springs and reduce it down to just over 800 people. Okay? You've got that in your mind? The city of Hot Springs now with only 800 people. Or well, 800 people can't even get, keep the buildings up, can they? And the maintenance of the streets and the services. 800 people couldn't keep it going. What's going to happen to Central Avenue? It's going to be a ghost town. Buildings are going to be abandoned. Businesses are going to stop. It's going to be a ghost town. You've heard of some of those big structures that Rome had built. Let's say, for one, the Colosseum. The great, big Colosseum. Two amphitheaters put together. Wow, what a building. After Rome fell, 
It became a haven of stray animals and homeless people. Wow. It happened in just 50 years. Within 50 years of falling, Rome was nothing. In fact, because of where it sits, much of Rome was almost like a, well, like a deserted ghost town. People didn't want to live there anymore. It was hard to make a living there, hard to get food. Who wanted to live there anymore? If you'd asked any of those emperors, they would have just chuckled at a prediction like that, that their glorious city would be a ghost town. That's what happens to those who love money. All of a sudden, the money disappears, the wealth is wiped out, the riches are ruined, and the assets are turned to ashes. Remember that story that we often call the prodigal son? He had a lot of friends when he had money. But when the money dried up, no more friends. And he's doing the very worst job that a Jewish young man could ever dream of doing. September 1929, the experts were predicting a years, not just a year, but years of economic prosperity. In fact, one of the leading economists, an economics professor at the Yale University, he said this, stock prices have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. What happened a month later? You know what happened. The stock market crash. The very next month, in October of 29, and what happened? It plunged our country into what we call the Great Depression. Material wealth is fleeting. It never lasts. It's not worth pursuing. Proverbs chapter 23, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding. Cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Many years ago, a woman in Israel, she, um, because of what she had seen in her lifetime, she lost faith in banks. She took all her money, all those Israeli shekels and stuffed it in her mattress, kept it at home, and told no one, including her only daughter. The only daughter decided that she would do something nice for her mom. She was getting a new mattress for her house. She decided to get one for her mom, but she didn't tell her mom. She had it delivered. She had the old one picked up. The old one was taken out to the dump. Can you imagine what that woman said and did when she found out? They spent days out at the dump looking for her mattress, never to find it. Money can go away so quickly. That's the way it is with money. So difficult to acquire, so easily gone. So don't fall in love with money. Don't let riches consume your passion. Don't let wealth become the pursuit of your life because it disappears so quickly. 
And when it does, those who love it are depressed. They mourn, they weep, they wail. They become, they become, well, you just can't console them anymore. They're overcome in grief. Verse 9 now, Revelation chapter 18. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and live luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. So many of the kings, so many of the other nations depended, they depended on Rome. And when Rome's support and when Rome's power was taken away, they struggled. First the kings mourned, the executives, the ruling class, then the middle class, the merchants, they mourn as well. Verse 11, and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Who was the biggest consumer? It was Rome. What if Rome is no longer consuming? We have the Dark Ages. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, you name it all. No one's buying it anymore. No one will be able to buy their merchandise. Verse 14. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you. And all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you. And you shall find them no more at all. Things changed in our world in the 5th century. And by the time the 6th century rolled around, it was so different. The merchants cry because their source of income is gone. When the money is gone, the ruling class mourns, the middle class mourns, even the common laborers mourn as well. The sailors and the seamen who carried the goods, they mourn because the money source has dried up. You don't have to be rich to love money. Even poor people can love money. They can live their lives in pursuit of it and end up just as miserable like the rich. Henry Ford was one of the most powerful men of his day and time. So many people wanted to be like Henry Ford. That is, so many people wanted to be like Henry Ford except for Henry Ford. In a 2005 biography, it talked about the day that Henry Ford told his driver, take me back home. When he said home, he meant where he had first married and lived with his wife. They didn't have a whole lot then, just a lot of dreams and love. And here's a quote from Henry Ford. When he saw his old home place and, and where he had initially raised his children, he said, I've got a lot of money. 
goodness, boy, he did. He had a lot of money. And I'd give every penny of it right now just to be here with Mrs. Ford again. She had already passed on. And he felt empty. You see, money, money doesn't buy true happiness. Never has and, and, and never will. Money never made anybody truly happy. On the contrary, it quickly disappears. And when it does, uh, those who love it are depressed. So don't fall in love with money. Instead, fall in love with the Lord. Let God consume your passions. Let Jesus become the pursuit of your life because those who love the Lord rejoice even when the money is all gone. Look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. What will last? If I can touch it, it's not going to last. What will last? Our souls. Our souls will last for all eternity. We want to spend that eternity with Jesus. Several years ago, a book came out. It was called Forged by Fire. How God shapes those he loves. The man who wrote it uh, had suffered a very tragic accident. Left him basically confined to a wheelchair. He got tired of always sitting in his house. So behind his house, there was a fairly large screened-in back porch. And he liked going out there so he could look out and see more. Well, one day he's out there and it's kind of windy, it's cold, he's wrapped up in a quilt. And he notices a songbird on the railing. A songbird on the railing of his screened-in back porch. And even though it was cold and, and wet and, and windy, that songbird was just singing its lungs out. A joyful tune. And Bob Record thought, well, how can that bird be singing? This is a miserable day, and how can it be singing? A few days later, the weather had changed and warmed up, and Bob found himself back on that same screened-in back porch, and lo and behold, it looked like that very same bird had come back. And you know what it was doing? It was singing the same song to the top of its lungs. And then it hit him. I don't have to let circumstances control me. I can sing in the good times and the bad, if I've got God on my side. That is so true. Will we always have good days? No. Every one of us will have our own struggles, our own hard days, our own tough days. But if we've got God on our side, hey, just like it says right here, we can rejoice. Because God is on our side. Now, let's go back to verse 4. We skipped over it earlier. I want to focus on it now. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, 
Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plague. Christians, don't be like Rome. Come out of her. Don't let her influence. Don't let her lifestyle. Don't let her impact get you. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. This is God's application in this passage to our lives. You see, all of us have a choice to make. Will we be like our society? So materialistic, so bent on worldly pleasures, so determined to satisfy the lust of our hearts? Or will we find joy in the Lord? God calls His people to come out of Rome, come out of this world system, come out of its pursuit of money and power, lest you too fall into its sin and ruin. A few years ago, almost 300 whales were found dead. What caused 300, almost 300 whales to die? It turned out they were pursuing sardines and got marooned in a bay and couldn't get out of that bay. My dear friends, don't pursue money. It isn't worth it. It's like pursuing sardines, which is in the end will just leave you marooned in a bay of misery. Instead, pursue God with every ounce of your being. Put the Lord first in your life. Make Him your top priority. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Then and only then will you find true joy even when everything else is lost. You know what comes next? God's simple plan of salvation. It's up there every time. Why do I put it up there? Because I want to remind you what it takes to become a Christian. Because there are just a few of you out there that are not Christians. You need to become a Christian. Don't pursue the world. Pursue Jesus. Pursue true joy. As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? This is your time. We pray that you make that decision while we stand and sing for your encouragement.